Good morning, church family. For our Bible reading today, we have two passages. Uh, the first is from Psalm 34, and the second is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, through to chapter 2, verse 3. So, starting with Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked, the foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. And then fast forward to 1 Peter chapter 1 beginning at verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word 
that was preached to you. Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Thanks very much for reading. If you've got one Peter open, then keep it open. Kids, if you've got, got activities from uh, Darren, then now's the time to start doing those. And for the rest of us, let's pray. Father, please feed us by the milk of your word so that we might grow up in salvation. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've heard of the rule of threes. It's not terribly uplifting, I'm afraid. Last week I was catching up with some medic friends and apparently the rule of threes goes like this. If you don't think for three seconds, you could die. If you don't have oxygen for three minutes, you could die. If you don't have water for three days, you could die. If you don't have food for three weeks, you could die. And here's the one that got me. If you don't see another person for three months, you might die. Now, obviously, those are all generalizations. But we know that while life requires food and water and oxygen, life is more than that. Life's about other people, relationships, community. We're especially aware of that in these strange times as we feel the pain and the weirdness of separation. We miss each other. We miss being close. We long for community. That's what lies behind something like this, a face mask. They're strange things, aren't they, face masks? I had to get a haircut with one on a few days ago. That was a strange experience. But they're strange because on the one hand, they signal very clearly that we're cut off from one another. We're keeping apart. But on the other hand, they, they're actually designed to help us come together, to be safe and close at the same time. See, at the moment, we're figuring out how do you do community in the shadow of coronavirus? And these might be part of the answer. But in 1 Peter, God has something to say, a lot to say, actually, on that question. 1 Peter was written for Christians living under a dark shadow, whether persecution or pandemic. And in this part of the letter, Peter is showing us how we can have the very best kind of community in dark circumstances, a loving community. In other words, this is about church. This morning, we're starting a new sermon series around church in 1 Peter. We're doing that partly because it's been some months now since we've been away from church community. And that's long enough to forget what church community is all about. Long enough for good habits to be replaced by bad habits so that we might long for loving community in theory, but lose enthusiasm to love each other in practice. And if that's you, if you've started to prefer Sundays on the sofa, I hope this is a helpful reminder 
about why church community matters. Or maybe you really are missing church. Well, if so, I I hope this is encouraging. It's right that we miss gathering together to praise God and love one another. Or maybe maybe church isn't your thing. Maybe this online stuff is, is you giving it a try. Well, if that's you, then I hope this appetite, I hope this whets your appetite for the real thing. Anyway, we're, we're trying to figure out how to do community in the shadow of coronavirus. This passage shows us how God grows a loving community. And it all starts with new life. If you've got 1 Peter open, then take a look at 1 verse 23. For you have been born again. Here's how God starts growing a loving community. He takes people like you and me and gives us new life. That's what a Christian is. Someone who's been given new life by God. Which means that becoming a Christian is a much bigger change than we often think. You know, lots of people think that becoming a Christian is just you stop doing some things and you start doing other things. You know, you you stop lying and swearing and you start giving to charity. Well, while lifestyle change is involved in being a Christian, as we'll see, it's much more than that. It's not just turning over a new leaf. It's getting a new life. Uh, Like Peter says, it's, it's like being born think about that. Someone who wasn't around now bursts onto the scene. There's a new person in the world, a new life that you could hold in your hands and say to them, you've been born. That's amazing. And if you're a Christian, if you're trusting in Jesus, then that's you. You've been born again. It's a miracle. There's a new person in the world. That's how God starts growing loving community, taking people like us and giving us new life. And having given us new life, God grows a loving community by calling us to a new lifestyle. Take a look at 1 verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you love one another, Love one another deeply from the heart. God calls us to love one another. He's given us new life, and we're to live it in love. So he doesn't call us to some, some lonely spirituality where it's, it's all me and God, and I, I keep other people at arm's length. No, he calls us to, to close, committed relationships, caring deeply for one another in loving community. Don't get me wrong, it's okay to be an introvert. It's okay to need some alone time. But however we're wired, God calls us to love one another. In fact, the real enemy to living the new life isn't introversion or something. It's the stuff in verse 1 of chapter 2. Let me read that. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Those things, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, what do they have in common? 
They are all community killers. Think about it. People who distort and twist the truth. People who pretend to be someone they're not, who perform for an audience. When something good happens to someone else, people who, who instead of being happy for them, think, I want that, resent them. People who use their words and their tweets and their emails to tear others down. That stuff is lethal for community. Sadly, many of us will, will have experienced this stuff in school, in the workplace, in our families, even in church. Because everyone has the potential for this stuff inside of them, even Christians. Peter wouldn't be writing this to Christians if they didn't need to hear it, if we didn't need to hear it. Which means that we all need to be on guard against these things. And this isn't the time to think about the person next to you or someone watching elsewhere and where they go wrong. This is the time to think about ourselves and where it is that we need to change. And did you notice just how ruthless Peter wants us to be? Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, all, all, every. Do we get the point? He's saying, leave no trace. Get rid of every bit. Be thorough. These days, we're, we're used to thinking about the, the impact a virus could have on a healthy community, aren't we? How it could infect and spread and do terrible damage. But here's the thing. Even if coronavirus disappeared tomorrow, our community would still be in danger because these attitudes and behaviors are deadly. They kill communities. And if left unchecked, they'll kill our community. But it doesn't have to be that way. Because if we're believers, God has given us new life that leads to a new lifestyle. We might struggle with this stuff, but that belongs to our old life. You're not that person anymore. We can grow. We can get rid of these things. We can have a loving community. The question is, how? Well, Peter says that the new life and the new lifestyle happen the same way, by God's word. Take a look at 1 verse 23 again. According to Peter, this is how babies are made. 1 verse 23, for you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. That's how God gives new life, through his word, by people believing the message about Jesus. And the new lifestyle comes about the same way. Flick back over to chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Here's how God nurtures the new lifestyle, this pure spiritual milk. And though God's word isn't explicitly mentioned, I'm, I'm sure that's what Peter's talking about in context. You just have to look at the verses that come before. But here he calls the word milk, because just as milk 
causes newborn babies to grow, so God's word causes newborn, born again people to grow into the new lifestyle in love. That's how God grows us into a loving community. He gives us new life by his word. He grows us up in love by his word, creating newborn babies and growing them up with the milk of his word. So here's where we are. How does God grow a loving community? By his word. Hold that thought. We're going to sing, then we're going to come back together and consider the implications of that truth for our lives, that God grows a loving community by his word. Hi again. We're back in 1 Peter 2 to consider what all of this means for our lives. Let me read verse 2 once more. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Before the song, we saw how it is that God gives us new life and grows us into a loving community by his word. See, we need God's word to grow. That's where this imagery of newborns comes in. Though for the Christian, it's not just imagery, it's the reality. We have been born again. Spiritually speaking, we are newborns with new life. And so really we should read verse 2 as newborn babies. Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow. Babies can grow in leaps and bounds, can't they? I think a year in, they're often three times or more their birth weight. Their tendency is to grow, but they're not self-sustaining. They need milk. They're dependent. If they don't feed, their growth will be stunted or, or worse. And Christians are the same. We depend on the milk of God's word to grow. Christian growth doesn't mean growing up to become less dependent on God. And we always need God's help. Christian growth is realizing more and more just how much we need to depend on God for all we need, being more and more dependent on him. Healthy newborns feed more, not less. God grows us into a loving community by the milk of his word. And we've got growing to do, and we need his word to do it. So, here's the big takeaway for us this morning. Crave the milk of God's word. Crave the Bible. Crave it like a newborn craves milk. Think about that, how a baby craves milk. Do they sit around waiting patiently, behaving themselves and being considerate until they're fed? No, they wail and cry and scream and keep everyone in the house awake until they get what they want. They can't wait. And it's an odd example to be given to follow. Uh, I doubt many parents would encourage their kids to behave that way if they could choose, but that is how God wants us to crave his word. Because the way we'll grow into a loving community is by being a community of people who crave God's word. 
So let me ask you, do you crave God's word? Long for it, desire it, hunger for it. If you were to write out a list of the things you crave, would God's word be on that list? Do we crave it as a newborn craves milk? Well, if the answer to those questions is no, the point isn't to make us feel guilty. You know, Peter wrote this to Christians, telling them to crave God's word, because he knows that sometimes Christians don't. They need to be told to. God wouldn't have put this in the Bible if we didn't need to hear it. The point isn't to make us feel guilty. The point is that we learn to crave God's word more than we do right now. That we want to hunger it more like a newborn hungers milk. Imagine with me what that might look like. Um, waking up early, hungry for the Bible, wanting it. Uh, seeking it out actively. You know, not just waiting for a verse to drift across our Instagram feed, but, but getting up and going and picking up the Bible and digging into it. Eating it up every chance we get. There's no shortage of options, is there? Paper Bibles, audio Bibles, phone Bibles, um, sermons and songs full of the Bible, books and notes and YouTube videos that help us understand it, people that help us. If you don't know any people like that, then, then email us at church. We'd, we'd love to help. Eating it up eagerly, say in a Bible talk, being in feeding mode more than in feedback mode. You know, there's nothing wrong with feedback. We should want pure milk. But eagerly, eating up what's good. A baby doesn't try to find things to choke on, does it? It eagerly eats up. Craving, as a newborn craves milk, that's what we're to aim for. And the passage helps us do that. See, it helps us see time with the Bible differently. I wonder, our mental, of, mental picture of the Bible, of Bible reading, might be something like a student sitting down to do a comprehension. Well, how boring, how unappealing. But this helps us see that reading time is feeding time. That time with the Bible is less like a student sitting down to do a comprehension and more like a baby settling in to enjoy a nice bottle of milk. Reading time is feeding time. And that means two things. First, feeding time grows us. Last month, Bill Gates invested millions of dollars in Biomilk, a company that's trying to reproduce breast milk in the lab, which one website said is like trying to top nature's perfect food. Mother's milk is, is perfectly designed to make babies grow. And God's word is like that, perfectly designed to make his children grow. So for example, say I'm reading the Bible and God alerts me to the fact that I'm envious. Well, he doesn't leave me to fix myself. He, he keeps on feeding me because I keep reading and he shows me that as a sinner, I don't deserve anything, never mind the thing I feel envious about. And he shows me that Everything I do have is a wonderful gift of his grace, and he shares out his gifts wisely. 
and he shows me that Jesus, who never envied, paid with his life so that I, who do envy, could live forever. And he shows me that the way to true joy isn't to want what others have, but to want good for others. And in many other ways, he feeds me and he changes me to be less envious and selfish and grumbly and more content and joyful and loving. In lockdown, many of us will have set targets for personal growth, learning an instrument, learning that language, writing a novel. But nothing beats this kind of growth. God at work in us to make us more loving, changing our hearts to be more like his own. And that brings us to the second thing. Feeding time is good. See, a community that craves the Bible will become a more loving and lovely place to be. And the reason why that is, is that the God who stands behind God's word, who feeds us with it, is more loving and lovely than we can possibly imagine. Like Peter says in verse three, crave the Bible now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. The Bible might not always seem 100% appealing. We do have to be told to crave it. But now it does carry a sweet savor of the good God. He's always been good, but it's like we've been given new taste buds as believers to taste what was always there. So that now the Bible leaves a good taste in our mouths because that's where we encounter the God who is unimaginably loving and lovely. Well, it's time to finish. It may be that we live in the shadow of COVID for a while. These are strange times and the shadow may linger. It may be that we can't go back to exactly how things were, at least for some time. But even if we can't go back, we can grow up with God's word. We can have a loving community. He gives new life and he gives growth in love by his word. So crave it, crave the word. And when we finally are back together, we'll be all the better for it. Well, if you have children in another room, now's the time to go find them. We're going to sing, we're going to sing, oh, what a savior, the God of goodness and grace. Let's sing. <laughs>